and welcome to the Walk Around Podcast, powered by JMA Group. I am one of your hosts, Mark Spoto, joined by my co-host, Elliot Shore. Hey now. So Elliot, let's start off. Happy New Year. Happy it's New 2024. Year. Um, and today we're going to take a look back a little bit on 2023 and share some of our favorite moments with our with our generous guests who spent time with us. Yeah. But it's also it's also a bittersweet episode, Elliot, because you have some news to share about your future. Uh, but we'll get to that, right? We wanna we wanna share that a little bit later. That's known in the business as a radio tease. I don't know if you know that. Oh, is it really, Mark? It is, it is. Oh. Not that I'm in the business, but I just hear it from others. <laughs> I've heard about, I think I've experienced that once or twice watching TV or yes. video, actually. So let's, let's get, we will get to your news later, uh, but let's start off. So we're in a new year and there's some things that we can t take a look back and learn from 2023 that our listeners are surely to remember and will help them move forward in the year and the years to come. Hmm. So when you think about season two of the Walk Around podcast, what's that? Surely to remember. Yes. Did there. Very nice. Yeah, it was 2023. I think we had a great season. I know that uh, Mark and I, as we uh, reflected and looked back on the amazing guests that we had, um, we were certainly in awe of the amazing insights they shared. But um and a lot of uh, interesting predictions, a couple of Spotify's, Spotify's, excuse Spotify's, me. Spotify's, if you will. I know you want to make that a thing, but I'm, I do. it's I do. just not taking off. I think 2024 is the year of the Spotify. <laughs> we'll I see. Think. We yeah. shall see. But if you were to boil down kind of our, our, our themes of the uh, walk around season two, I would say we talked a lot about digital retail, right? Oh, I mean, that is a topic that is on everyone's minds. We talked a lot about the consumer experience and what dealers can do to better engage their customers. And then EVs, that is certainly another topic that um, is just continuing to impact the industry about the future and what dealers should do about their own businesses. But let's get into it. Let's talk about, let's hear from some of our guests and remind our listeners what they can think about in some of these areas, you know, we had no shortage of opinions, no. Elliot, if you remember, one yeah. of which better known as the car mom mm. really let us have it. She really let us have it. Her opinion on some vehicles. Let's take a listen to Kelly. I'm going to run through a list of cars here. Best for families, right? Okay. These are cars that have been identified potentially as best for families. And what are we going to do? Thumbs up? Thumbs up, thumbs, thumbs down, down, or indifferent? Or meh. Yeah. I'm okay, ready. so here we go. Honda Odyssey. Thumbs up. Dodge Journey. Thumbs down. Jeep Wagoneer. Thumbs up. I know you're going to say on this one, Ford Expedition. Two thumbs up. Two thumbs <laughs> up. Chevy Tahoe. Thumbs up. The VW Atlas. Oh, thumbs up, thumbs up. I love that car. Wow, these really? are all good. I know, side note, I know a VW dealer, and I was asking him just last week, what are you driving these days? I'm always curious to know what dealers drive. Yeah. yeah. Told me an Atlas. I go, really? Because hmm. you have no idea. He went, oh, for 15 <laughs> minutes. Like, I dare question the Atlas. So 
Okay. Th- thank you for the validation there. Toyota 4Runner. Thumbs down. Hmm. Mm-hmm. BMW 5 Series. Thumbs down. I drive a 4Runner for the record. <laughs> <laughs> thumbs I down. Thumbs down for that one. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Down, down. The Audi Q7. Ah, mid. 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 <laughs> Ford Escape. For what it is, a thumbs up. Thumbs up, okay. For what it is. uh, Honda Pilot? Thumbs up. New one, thumbs up. Used one, thumbs down. Mm. Mercedes GLE? Thumbs down. Toyota Highlander? Thumbs down. (laughs) Okay. What gets you on the Highlander? The Highlander Highlander is is one of the smallest three-row SUVs you can find. It's very misleading for people. They think it's like this big three-row SUV. It's one of the smallest. Well, maybe maybe the Grand Highlander will change the opinions there. Kelly's really spot on. I mean, totally. She she obviously knows. Chrysler Chrysler Pacifica. Uh, Thumbs up. (laughs) That sounded like a mid thumbs up. Thumbs up. Kia Sedona. Uh, well, how about that's a thumbs down. Kia Carnival, I'd give thumbs up. What was the thumbs up? Kia, what? The Sedona. The Carnival. The Carnival. The, so Sedona was a thumbs down. Yeah. Okay. Carnival's that funky looking yeah. minivan esque. Yeah, it, it not... replaced the Sedona. It's really nice. Yeah. yeah. Finally, the Subaru Forester. Thumbs up. So, Elliot, I mean, she really said it, right? I mean, she said it all. She said it all. Um, but I think the takeaway is obviously consumers are looking for a vehicle that's going to meet their needs, right? And as a dealer, you gotta have you gotta have that inventory and meet the customer where they want to be. Would you agree? I would. And you know, I think when I take a, a listen, think back and listen to Kelly, you know. It's interesting what Kelly's doing. She's educating consumers and uh, and on, and uh, enterprising for herself in the process. Essentially, she's acting as a great salesperson, um, where she's educating her customer, and then her customer values that. So, you know, I think there's a lesson in there in terms of how our salespeople approach knowing their products and knowing what the right product is for the customer. Absolutely. And, you know, she, she shared one of the best pieces of advice we've heard, which was the customer wants to get to know your salesperson just as much as the vehicle they're buying. They want to work with someone that they can trust, feel good about, and have a good experience with. So great insight from Kelly. Definitely. Definitely. That was, she was a lot of fun. That was great. Great episode. Let's move on to another seasoned industry expert in Diana Lee, president and CEO of Constellation Marketing. Um, So Diana, if you remember, actually got started in the business in F&I. So she brings the retail perspective plus, you know, digital marketing expertise. And she really gave some advice that some dealers may not want to hear. Let's listen to Diana. What other trends are you seeing out there from your vantage point? You know, share with our audience just kind of your quick take on the the state of the industry. So they're not going to like what I have to say, but I want to say because it's true. That's why it's so great to ask you this question. (laughs) And they're going to hate it, but I'm going to tell them. 
tier one and tier three are merging, whether oh. they like it or not. There is going to be direct to consumer sales and the franchises are going to be delivery centers in the future for many of the automakers in order for them to survive. Wow. And I just feel like instead of fighting it, we have to work together with the automakers to make it the best experience for the customers or else we will lose our industry to direct to consumer electric market makers that are coming in without setting up franchise models. And I beg of you, don't do this because we all work too damn hard in retail automotive right. to let the Carvanas of the world take over our industries. The brooms are Carvanas, the uh, electric car makers that go direct to consumers, they've done it already. And if we don't work together with our auto manufacturers to come up with a streamlined system for our consumers, there will be no market. And what I mean by that, there is no consumer that wants to search 14 different separate websites to see whether you have the car or not. <laughs> Think about it from the perspective of the consumer. Nobody wants to do that. So please, let's come up with a system where we can show the customer the best choices of inventory and not worry about, I'm not going to give them my car. That's my car. No, you're going to lose the industry. <laughs> Think of what we're saying and doing here. Well, Diana, this is something. I'm ready to go. We're ready. I'm ready. This is something we've talked about on the podcast 100%. before in terms of the lessons to be taken away from Carvana. Definitely. Clearly, they have tapped into what the consumer prefers. They have filled a need, a gap in the consumer experience that... Quite frankly, you know, a lot of dealers are not fulfilling. And right. that's what entrepreneurism is all about, is filling gaps that other companies are not filling today. And so um, I love your impassioned plea to the industry. I, um, I'm fired up. I'm ready, I'm ready to go. Where do we start? So, Elliot, I mean, again, talk about telling it like it is. I love right? It. Love it. Yeah, I mean... You know, dealers may not want to hear what Diana's saying, but you can't argue with her and, and, uh, and the world is changing around us. And it's either it's change or, 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 uh, or, or die. You yeah. know, it, it's I think of the famous quote that uh, change is inevitable. Growth is optional. And uh, that's the truth. In the that, is, well. that is so the truth. So let's move on now to actually dealers who joined us on the walk around. We were very fortunate to have uh, time with two very prominent dealers who have seen so much in this business. And to your point about growth and, and the ability to change, these are two pillars of business entrepreneurs who embody that spirit of being able to change and being visionary. Um, Mike Maroney, Mike Maroney was one who came and talked about the importance of creating a positive customer experience, or as he likes to say, the guest experience. Yes. Let's, let's listen to Mike. It feels like there's a fight right now for the transaction. And, and what I mean by that is there seems to be a fight between the manufacturers uh, and the retailers in terms of who owns that guest experience. To your point exactly, you want to build a great guest experience around your guests, but so does the OEM and so does the manufacturer. And so they're building their own 
digital retailing or modern retailing tools for you to use. But I don't know that that is the best experience for your guest. So how do you look at the the OEMs and and their seemingly desire to get closer to the transaction and the guest experience versus the retailer's place in the market to providing that guest experience? I think it's a natural friction. First of all, the OEMs are our partners. And like in any partnership, life is not perfect. Right? <laughs> um, they're, providing, they're providing, hopefully, world-class products. <clears throat> We're providing, hopefully, a world-class guest experience. Well, there's times that us as retailers think we know more about product development than they do. <laughs> Excuse me. There's times that they believe that they know more about the guest experience. So it's kind of an ebb and flow. The real challenge, and you called it out, is when an OEM mandates a digital solution or a software solution, it's really hard for those of us that own multiple dealerships and serve multiple brands. Exactly. It's totally inefficient. Frankly, it's not very practical. I say that while still admiring the effort that's put forth and saying, maybe we can take a nugget here and a nugget there and have our own philosophy, but don't do it in an antagonistic way. Do it in a collaborative way and saying, okay, I respect what you're doing. Please respect what I'm doing because we have the same goal and that's delighting guests and creating long-term guest loyalty. So Elliot, I mean, he said it so well. I mean, how can you not align your business according to what what's best for the guest? Totally. And, you know, it's cliche in a way, but, you know, and, and I think no one embodies this more, in my opinion, is the whole notion that it's a people business. It's how you treat your guests. It's how you treat your employees. And at the end of the day, it's a people business. And, um, you know, I think Mike embodies that more than anyone and is so gracious in how he speaks about his team and his guests and uh, just just a, it, that was probably as big of a treat as I've ever had professionally being able to interview Mike Marooney like that it was just awesome. And I think honestly, if we can get one bonus clip out of, uh, out of this one. Um, could you, do you, can you believe we actually sang the Marooney tune to Mike Marooney? <laughs> you know, Elliot, there were so many things we did that I didn't think we were capable of doing on this <laughs> po podcast and singing a commercial jingle definitely is up there. Let's okay. let's take another listen to our uh, musical talents. Across the history of advertising, um, there has been a lot of amazing jingles that have been created over the years. I mean, just, I mean, who can forget, give me a break. Kit Kat. Kit Kat, right? Uh, $5. Foot long. Right, Subway. <laughs> we got Subway. Um, the newest one, I would say, you know, in modern times, my kids sing it all the time, but BK. Have it your way. Have it your way at BK, right? But to me, there is a single best jingle of all time. Especially if you grew up in South Florida. Especially if you grew up in South Florida. You probably never even knew what Ghostbusters was because all you heard in South Florida 24-7 was if you need a car, truck or van. Who are you going to call? Marooney. And so it's a sure thing that the Marooney jingle of who are you going to call is the single best jingle of all time. 
Sure right. thing or not a sure thing? I'm totally biased, but absolutely sure thing. <laughs> <laughs> and first of all, I got to give credit to a gentleman who's now deceased by the name of Zev Auerbach, started with the Ed team, later joined Zimmerman, who is the genius behind that. And uh, even today, genius. That, is, that has not been run for over 10 years. But as the tour boats go by our house in Fort Lauderdale, people still sing the jazz. <laughs> <laughs> that is daunting. It's really amazing. Uh, the other thing I'll tell you is that AutoNation, we then expanded that jingle to markets all around the country before we had moved to common names. And I would get calls from friends of mine around the country going, they stole your jingle. They stole your jingle. <laughs> That's uh, too funny. They, Mike, they, we got to ask, we got to ask, was it a high price tag to buy I mean, the rights? Ray Parker Jr. song? I mean, he must have made out like a like a bandit yeah. with, with the usage of that song. Yes, it was a high price tag, but it got <laughs> higher every year. So <laughs> we initially bought it regionally and then later bought it nationally. But it was it was a brilliant move. And again, uh, uh, to Zev and Jordan Zimmerman and that crowd, I, I give them all the credit. And uh, it's something that is will be forever linked with our last name. Uh, and it was really fun. Yeah. I mean, good thing we have day jobs, right? Thank I mean, that's just terrible. But Elliot, what a segue you you brought up in terms of that this is a people business, because our next dealer who joined us, Ken Ganley, talked specifically about what it what it means to create a positive environment for your people to better serve your customers. Because if you don't have an engaged workforce totally. uh, who feel that they have a purpose and can make a difference, that's going to reflect directly on your customers. So let's yeah. listen to Ken. And interesting to, to note, sorry, Mark. No, go ahead. This was a very popular one on social media. This clip it was one of our most popular this season, I believe. Yeah. And I think it's because he's just, he's a practical business owner, right? And he, totally. he shares just such terrific insight on what that means for your people. So let's listen to Ken. You know, one thing coming out of COVID that I think we all see is uh, people are looking at their schedules and saying, you know, uh, how can it be more flexible? Um, can I work at home? And and we have a lot. We still have a lot of people here in our corporate office that work uh, work from home, and that's okay. Um, it works for them as long as you know, as long as they're getting done what they need to get done. Uh, you know, and I uh, over the years, you know, when I when when I think about this, I laugh sometimes. Years ago, when I was a much younger car guy, uh, I thought you had to work seven days, work till 10, 11, 12 at night to be successful. And uh, and and when when I stopped doing that and and stopped going, you know, it, it was funny. I think we sold more cars and made more money when I wasn't around as much, you know, but, <laughs> but, but I believe, I truly believe you got to have a work life, you know, you know, a personal and work balance. Uh, you know, I, I often say to our, our team members, listen, you're only going to be good here at work for us if things are good for you at home. So you can't, you can't work yourself to death and, and then, uh, you know, have uh have an unhappy partner, spouse, kids, you know, that sort of thing. And I want, so, I want people, you know, go to your kids games, right? Go watch a, you know, I had someone say to me, Oh, I haven't been to it. I said, get out of here. Go, go right. watch a dance recital, you know? 
Which, and honestly, like, and all of this is awesome, but it is refreshing to hear this coming out of a car dealer because it is not not, the norm. It isn't the norm. Right. So it's about being flexible with your people, right. And encouraging them to, to just be their best. And how can, as an, as an employer, you meet their needs just as much as you're meeting their customers' needs. Totally. And I think, you know, when you, when you, you know, you think about the pandemic being so far in the rear view mirror and those, one of those questions we asked continually is what are those lessons of the pandemic? What are things that are here to stay or what are things that are going to go back to normal? And, you know, I think Ken, you know, embodies that, uh, that, uh, that learning of, of flexibility with your employees and, um, is 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 a huge thing and i think that is a great lesson from the pandemic that we can all learn a little bit about yeah so you know some lessons that we're learning in 2024 as as that as we get underway in a new year the topic of digital retail or e-commerce whatever you want to call it or modern retailing as one of our guests or modern retailing we had the pleasure to talk with Emily Chonko uh, from Cox Automotive, and she gave us such great insights when you think about the difference between digital retail and actually e-commerce. Let's listen to Emily. And the industry is really uh, evolving quite a bit. I started uh, in 2012 supporting our digital retail efforts at Cox Automotive, and there's been quite the evolution in this space. but. When I think of digital retail, I think of uh, an experience where the customer starts his or her journey online, typically from a vehicle display page, and they begin to do some of that upfront, um, you know, negotiating on the asking price, an approximate trade-in, even a credit application, and we're digitizing the steps uh, to the sale. But ultimately, the customer ends up in the showroom to finalize that purchase, right? And particularly the F&I experience. So this is more of a click to mortar type of approach where e-commerce, which is a new initiative for Cox Automotive, and we actually aren't fully out in market yet with our solution. But what we're trying to create is a first and foremost customer self-guided experience that allows for a full end-to-end purchase experience, which includes signing a retailer installment agreement digitally. And so uh, the customer is not coming into the showroom. This is a true click to buy. And we're trying to enable this experience uh, on a platform of automation, uh, leveraging AI, machine learning, uh, big data computation to really create and match what's happening in what is a very complex sales process. Um, so if we're thinking about, you know, of course, the financing, working with the lenders to get the buy and the sell rate, maximizing for profitability, um, creating that digital signing ceremony that is vaulted and secured, collection of the steps, um, and then ultimately signing the contract all digitally. Um, so that is true e-commerce, more in the sense of, of what you see in the traditional buying ecosystem outside of automotive. And yeah. this, is, this is new, right? This is new for our, for our industry. But I think that we've confused things for a really long time because we're all familiar with a digital retail experience that has a call to action that states, buy online or buy now. 
And ultimately the customer isn't able to complete that transaction. They come into the store. And so it's really trying to understand that we've got two different journeys here. One that's a click to order and one that's a click to buy. So Elliot, you know, what do you think? Can I have one last take from you on the rise of modern retail? What's your position there? You know, I think if for all of the talk about modern retail and online buying and digital retailing, and, you know, <clears throat> I think the reality is it's, I think in a way we're overthinking it. It's, it's uh, you know, their customers have multiple channels to shop by, you know, whether it's Tesla, whether it's, um, whether it's any of the brands, whether it's Amazon and you know, dealers have to have to understand that this business is shifting and um, it's not 100 percent. I think a lot of times we think about absolutes in terms of all or nothing. It's going to be all digital. It's going to be all in store. And, and the reality is, I think uh, life is more about the gray. Life is more about uh, living in, a, in an and world, not an either or world. And I think that's, to me, the message of, of modern retailing is, it doesn't matter the percentages. It doesn't matter. Your, some of your customers want it, so you have to be there. You have to provide it, and you have to provide a world-class experience for it, in-store or online or both. You know, Elliot, I think you've come such a long way because when we think about one of our favorite segments on the walk around, of course, I'm talking about a sure thing. Oh, not and Spotify? Not Spotify. Not oh. Spotify. A sure thing we had a lot of fun with. So that take that you just shared with us on the future of digital retailing and or modern retailing, I would say you took a very open-minded position, right? I mean, you didn't go one way or too far on another. Um, you said this, this is going to be kind of what makes best for both worlds. Um, but that wasn't always your approach with the short <laughs> thing. Hey, right. Uh, you know, uh, you, you got to live and learn, you know? Right. So I actually, you know, I like to keep score with oh, your boy. sure things. Yeah. I don't have a tally, right? Oh, but I do God. have, I do have your best take and maybe, maybe your worst take. So what do you want to start with your best take or your worst take? Let's end on a positive. Let's start with the worst take. Okay. Yeah. So the worst, the worst take that we did for sure thing actually is a lot of bad ones i'm sure you had a really hard time choosing because if i can think back to like at least five that were just horrible but but <laughs> but keep going <laughs> this was the strongest reaction and it's with emily so your your take was you said it's a sure thing that digital retail will regress in 2023 and boy did emily, did emily disagree with that, let's listen to Emily. So, you know, we talked a lot about uh, e-commerce, digital retailing, and actually we did a little research. We know Cox came out with some predictions for 2023, uh, might've been influenced by DJ Smoke, but um, we keyed in on number nine. And number nine of the Cox um, uh, predictions for 2023 was half of vehicle buyers will engage with digital retailing tools in 2023. Now. I know that sounds um, that sounds like a lot to me. Um, to be honest, it's fifty percent. That's a lot of engagement with digital retailing tools. And you know, we talked about it, the pandemic and and how the pandemic sort of was an accelerant to digital retailing. But 
But I believe that there will be a retraction, a regression in digital retailing in 2023, pretty much going against the Cox prediction here. And because I believe that dealer profits will be uh, down versus the past few years, and I think they are going to regress into their older tried and true ways of getting people to go into the showroom as all points end in the showroom. So I believe it's a sure thing that dealers will regress and digital retailing will take one step backwards in 2023. Sure thing or not a sure thing? Not a sure thing. I'm a good soldier and I align <laughs> my organization. We've actually been doing some really tremendous work to try to understand um, who are the consumers and, yeah. and trying to break them down. And so we know that there's the efficient independent and the guided innovator, which are really dri driven by Gen Z, millennials, and even mm -hmm. Gen X. And we know that these individuals are motivated by saving time. They desire less interaction with the retailer. They really want ease and convenience. And that's about 43% of the total buying population. And there's five total segments. So there's also researcher, resistor, and traditionalist. Hmm. So we know that even these three segments are wanting to do some of the process online. So if 90% approximately of customers are financing their purchase, then they want to understand payments online. And that is a first step in digital retailing. So maybe not true e-com, but digital retail, absolutely more than half of consumers want and candidly demand that type of experience. I don't know, Elliot. That sounded like a pretty strong argument against your sure thing. I don't Dealers, think you've heard it here. More yeah. than half of your customers are going to be engaging in digital. So please make sure you're ready for that. Yeah. And don't regress like I'm predicting. Please prove me wrong here. I mean, to Emily's point, I mean, I made that all that question all about the dealer. It really should be all about the consumer, as you aptly pointed out. And I must say, Emily, kudos. That is the first time I have Someone has used data to argue against me. <laughs> That's right. The sure thing. It's almost like you had a heads up, and I know you didn't because we uh, we we keep strict confidentiality sure on do. the walk around. Sure I mean, we're very serious about that. But the um, uh, but that was very impressive. So yeah, listen to your consumers; they want it, and and uh, and take a lesson from Carvana, not in how to manage used car uh, and your money, but in terms of what the consumer wants. That was one thing they got right, and so. Um, don't let their uh, impeding doom here um, not be a lesson. So there you have it. Oh, yeah. Now I know why you were straddling the fence on both. Yeah. Yes, it's going to be great for some and maybe some for uh, not for others. So you've Just, learned. I'm proud of you. I'm proud I've of you. Learned. And a shout out for Emily for keeping me honest. And uh, and uh, and uh, I think history has proven uh, Emily kind here. In her That's right. That's right. Certainly, this is going to continue to grow in 2024 and beyond. No doubt. But let's let's go to your best take. So I got to give you credit on this one. You know, we've talked about EVs, right, and the oh. the proliferation of of that propulsion system, and how you know there's always a bet going on, right? And how much are consumers going to adopt EVs? to be determined, how affordable are they? Are dealers ready? Do we have the infrastructure? So many questions, but there have been a lot of, you know, startups in the EV space. Um, and you said, 
I believe two of two of the EV OEM entrants will never end up producing a vehicle. Sure thing or not a sure thing. And you're not going to name the two? <laughs> I, won't, I can't do it. I... <laughs> that, oh, well, thank thank you for that. asking me to not name them. <laughs> yes, um, we're just saying any so two. Out of the pool, that yep. there will be at least two who do not produce Two will not produce a vehicle. A well, single vehicle. Now, now whether they correct. go, whether they go bankrupt, whether they get bought, you know, whether they just fizzle out, whatever. I'm not. I'm not being specific about that, but I'm just saying two, two manufacturers who intend to sell, create, and sell vehicles will not be able to do so because they will go away. Not that they yes. won't produce vehicles, but that they'll just go away. They'll go yes. away. Oh, that's 100% a sure thing. Now, I thought you were a little bit crazy because <laughs> EVs are taking off and people are jumping in with a lot of capital and they've got a lot of support. But I think we've learned manufacturing is really hard, hard. And, and it's expensive. Very. So, Elliot, to your credit, not oh. one, not two, but three companies. Yes. In 2023, have filed for bankruptcy in the EV space. So, just kudos to you, Elliot, on that um, on that take. Yeah, it's kind of interesting rooting uh, or taking delight in uh, the demise of uh, of businesses. Which anyone who works there, I I uh, I am sorry to hear about that. <laughs> it's not your fault. It's not your fault. But um, but no, I mean it's a reality, right? It's. Uh, manufacturing vehicles is extremely difficult. And uh, it's something I, it's one of the only products in the world that has to operate safely in 130 degrees in the sand. It has to operate at negative 20 degrees in the snow and it's got to operate safely and um, consistently uh, in that, in the most extreme of environments. And you think about, what it takes to do that. I mean, it's it's an extremely difficult task. I give all the automakers a lot of credit and really even the startup automakers, um, it takes a lot of um, guts to start a brand and start a uh, automotive brand from nothing. And so, um, but that's, to me, that's the beauty of uh, business. It's one of the beauties of, of uh, the US is, is uh, that entrepreneurial spirit and and that uh, innovation that continues to um, to be a, a real strong point in the automotive industry? Well, Elliot, what a magnificent magnificent segue! I, I I'm so uh, excited about this. I couldn't even get the words out correctly. What a magnificent magnificent segue to your next move. So. We wanted to do this episode partly to to look back, to share some some highlights and some fun that we had in 2023, which we did certainly. But really, this is a bittersweet moment because the walk around will look different in 2024. Elliot here is moving on to other ventures. You know, speaking of that entrepreneurial spirit, um, why don't you share what's your next move, Elliot? Yeah, thank you, Mark. I um, it's uh, first of all, I Mark as my co-host for the last uh, year plus. I just want to say thank you to you. It's been this has been one of the highlights of my career um, uh, doing this podcast with you, and it definitely wouldn't have been the same 
had it not been with you, my friend. So well, um, thank you, thank, thank you. you. I wish you good luck in the podcast in the new year. Um, and um, yeah, and so for me, you know, it's funny. I've been um, I started as an intern at JM Family about twenty years ago, um, and uh, it's just been an amazing ride with uh, a company that is absolutely the top of not just the automotive business, but of all of all business. I've never been a part of a better run organization with better people uh, that care for each other. And that's what it's all about. You know, we heard about it from Ken. We heard we hear about it from Mike Maroney, but Mr. Moran, uh, the founder of JM Family, truly embodied that way before it was fashionable. And um, but yeah, I I uh, after 20 years of, uh, of of amazing times at JM Family and, and JM&A and Southeast Toyota, um, I've decided to do something entrepreneurial and and go in that direction. It's something I've always wanted to do. And, and so um, I'll say that um, for now, um, I, um, I will be sharing my plans on LinkedIn um, very shortly in the future. But let's just say I, uh, I hope I was a great associate at JM Family in my 20 years. And uh, very soon, I hope that I'm one of your JM&A's best customers. All right. Well, that is... That's even more of a tease than we promised earlier in the episode. So everyone, check out Elliot's LinkedIn. Connect with him if you haven't already. You'll want to know what Elliot's up to. Uh, Elliot, as you said, this has been a blast. Um, so season three of The mm -hmm. Walk Around will be getting back and running in the spring. Uh, we're going to take a little bit of time to contemplate the next season and uh, our approach. But I think what you can look forward to is continued insights. I'll probably still be here. Who knows? We'll think about our, uh, our guests, our hosts, and where we want to take the walk around. But and I have a, at a minimum, I have a at a minimum, we're going to continue to share great insights and information for the automotive world. And I haven't asked, Mark, in a, in a year from now, um, I uh, I would be honored to be come back as a guest. As a guest, wow! I would be honored if you would have me. So in a year, but let's make it a year. Let's. All right, we'll we'll mark this time and a year from now, we may be talking again on the walk around. And before we go, Mark, I think let's give a big big thank you and shout out first of all to all of our guests. Um, what a spectacular season! We only called out a few of them here, but. I mean, I mean, to think about the list of guests that we had on and on and on, Jonathan Smoke comes to mind. I mean, it, it was just a, a fantastic season, but it doesn't happen just you and me talking into a, a, a microphone, right, Mark? There is a team behind us that um, is supporting us and they are the best in the biz. They, um, they're never on camera, you never hear from them. But um, actually, once I think Caitlin filled in for me on a on an intro. She did. But, yeah. She did. Yeah. No, you're so right, Elliot. You know, Caitlin, Michaela, James, James, everyone mean, back in the Jamini marketing team. You know, yep. thank you for your support. You make this operation run so smoothly, and we had a great season. Great um, season. Another season in the top uh, Spotify listens for the year. Uh, just. Just, but it doesn't happen without, uh, you know, Caitlin, Michaela, James, the rest of the team. Um, thank you guys so much. I know it's hard making these uh, faces 
look uh, ready for uh, video because they're certainly faces for radio, as we know. But oh, you know, one thing that's not going to change is our receding hairlines are oh, going to continue. Continue yes, to yeah. Maybe we go. Maybe we go to an all audio format next next season. Yeah, for me personally, we have cameras that like point down. That might be a yes, a better angle. That's better a great angle. Idea. Up, I guess I don't know. I'm not the video guy, but all right. Well, Elliot, congratulations to you. Thank Best you. of luck. I know you're going to be amazing in your next venture. We will look forward to that announcement on LinkedIn. And to all of our listeners on the walk around, thank you so much. We hope to see you back in the spring with season three of the walk around. Yes. Thank you, everyone. It's been an honor.